Definitely he is in this place. John, there's that handkerchief I lost. It's up here on the pulpit. Well, it's so good to be back in church tonight. We've had a great day, had a good lunch at Brother Rich's house, Sister Carla, and they blessed us. And uh, it's been plenty warm. A little breeze is blowing, but uh, it's just been a good day, hasn't it? Good day to be alive. We're blessed of the Lord to be in the house of God tonight, and we're certainly happy to see you. I want you to do me a favor. Just before we get into the Word of God, we will start in the book of Matthew, chapter 3. Then we're going back to Proverbs 20 and then Psalm 18. And by the help of God, we're going to take all these verses and and uh, weave them into something that will be a blessing to all of us. But before we do that, I'd like for you just to lay uh, everything you've got down on the pew beside you. Get your hands real good and free. And with a good hand clap, let's wish your pastor and the first lady of this church a happy anniversary today. Come on, let them happy anniversary. Amen. All right, all right, all right. We do love Brother Andy and Sister Dorothy. What great, great people uh, that they are, and we appreciate them so very, very much. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in that precious name of Jesus, and I confess to you, Lord, that I need you. I need your power. I need the wisdom of the Spirit. I need the unction of the Holy Ghost. To enable me to say what you'd have me to say to this people tonight, that hearts and lives could be touched and blessed to the glory of God the Father. Bless this congregation to hear the word of God move in our hearts. And, oh, God, there's no way we could adequately praise you for the way you blessed us in these altars the last two nights. And we pray again that the altar will become a meeting place with our God in this service tonight, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. First, before we read, little Lane Smith is feeling better today. Amen. And we're thankful for that. So we want you to continue praying for him and that the Lord would continue to touch his body. In the book of Matthew, chapter 3, I want to read one verse, verse 11. You know it well. And then we'll go back to the book of Proverbs. Matthew 3 and 11, John the Baptist is speaking here. And he said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I want you just to hang on to that. We go back to the book of Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs 20. As we uh, look there tonight, Proverbs chapter 20, that's not Proverbs, that's my Psalms chapter. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 27. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. And we back up now to the 18th Psalm. 
18th Psalm and verse 28, the psalmist said, For thou wilt light my candle, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Now as we take these three different texts tonight, two of course from the Old Testament, which is prophetic, most of it, a lot of it, prophetic of things that are coming in the New Testament. He's talking about fire, and he's talking about something that fire does. And I want to talk to you about that fire tonight. I want God to set our souls and our spirits on fire in this house tonight. The book of Proverbs, chapter 20 and verse 27, is a very wonderful verse when he said, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment, but I don't want you to think about it in terms of the human race or in terms of mankind in general, but I want you to think about that on a personal level, that God is saying that his spirit that is in you is the candle of the Lord. The spirit of Kenny Morris is the candle of the Lord. The spirit of Andy Hutchins is the candle of the Lord. And every one of us could insert our name into that blank there tonight that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. And then when we look back in Psalm 18 and verse 28, the psalmist said, For thou wilt light my candle. Now we take those two verses and put them together. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. God will light my candle. And if we put those verses together and we come up with a good commentary or paraphrase or whatever you want to call it of those two verses, when you combine them, the spirit of man, candle of the Lord, the Lord will light my candle. What those two verses say as we join them together is, God is going to set my spirit on fire. God will set my spirit on fire. Now I want to ask you tonight before we delve into this, how many of you tonight would be willing to just raise your right hand to heaven and say, God, I want you to set my spirit on fire. Then we go into the New Testament. Of course, we know, uh, you know, the story of John the Baptist and how he came after those 400 years of silence and God appeared to John. John went out with a message from the Lord. And, and uh, what a man, what a man John was. His father, of course, Zacharias was a priest. John was supposed to, uh, by birth and by lineage, one day to be a priest. Now, by being a priest, he's supposed to put on all those priestly garments. He's supposed to put that mitre on his head. He's supposed to be just all dressed up and minister in the temple and, and uh, offer the sacrifice and 
and then uh, when his course would come, go behind the veil, you know, he's supposed to be a priest. But John's a little different fella. John's not like the old order of the priesthood, like his father and grandfather and great-grandfather all the way back. And John traded the priestly robes and all of that, the linen breeches and everything that the priest wore, he traded that for a leathern girdle. <laughs> Woo, say man, A girdle made out of leather. I, I'm talking about and camel's hair. Now you just imagine what a trade-off that was that he traded all those priestly garments for camel's hair and a leather garment. Now in the, in the temple, the priest ate pretty well. And when we look at, the, you know, around the day, a lot of us preachers eating pretty good too. Uh, but the priest ate pretty well. Uh, they would bring in those sacrifices and if you'd study that and then, uh, you know, kill those animals, cut that meat up and different parts used for different things. But there was that part that'd be put in that pot and they'd put that flesh hook in there and pull it up. And whatever caught on those hooks was what the priest got to eat. Well, you know, some of those priests weren't all that righteous and they kind of fished around for the choice part that they really wanted and they got rebuked by God for doing that. But old John the Baptist traded all of that good fresh meat of, of the temple. He traded it for locusts and wild honey. Amen. You know why? Because John had a message. John had a new message. John had a message that was going to announce the arrival of the Messiah and the arrival of the Son of God. All those priests before him, they just carried on the status quo, but John was to announce the arrival of a new high priest that was coming to minister in a new temple, in a new tabernacle. You say, preacher, did Jesus minister? Oh, yes, he did, and yes, he does, because Paul said, know you not that your body is the temple of the living God. John began to preach a message. That, that old priest, that old priesthood said, bring me a lamb, bring me a pigeon, bring me a goat, bring me a turtle dove. But John said, you bring me a repentant heart. You bring me a heart that says, God, I'm sorry for my sin. And because of this, people begin to question, is John the Messiah? Is John the one that's to come? And they ask him. John said, no, that's not me at all. I'm not the one. I'm just the one. That, I'm not the bridegroom. I'm just a friend of the bridegroom that's come to announce it. But he said, when he gets here, he's going to baptize baptize you. I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. In other words, John said, I'm going to baptize you with water, a baptism of repentance, but when he gets here, he's going to set your soul on fire. He's going to illuminate your spirit. I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. The problem in our world today, we don't have a enough candles burning. We don't, oh, say man. We don't have enough candles burning. By that I mean, we don't have enough spirits that have been set on fire by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Darkness shall cover the earth, face of the earth. 
and gross darkness of people. Not as long as there are enough folks that will allow God to illuminate and light that candle and set that spirit on fire. Now this fire that we're talking about here when we go back to the Old Testament and the prophecies uh, the fire, the Holy Ghost and fire, that word and is a conjunction so we got two uh, separate entities, two things God's going to do. Number one, he's going to baptize us with the Holy Ghost. In other words, going to put his spirit but then he's going to baptize us with the Holy Ghost. He's going to baptize us us with the Holy Spirit but then he's going to set my spirit on fire. See you have a spirit. You have a spirit from the day you're born. That baby's got a spirit. You just mess with him and see if he hasn't got a spirit. I'm telling you they don't have to be very old for that spirit to manifest itself. Temper tantrums. Oh my spoil right. But this is what John said. John said he's going to fill you with his spirit but then he's going to set your spirit on fire and brother Greg let me tell you something if God will put the Holy Spirit inside of me and then he'll set my spirit on fire I will not walk in darkness I will not walk in defeat I will walk in the light as he is in the light and hell shall be defeated in the name of Christ I'm going, to, I'm going to make a statement here, and some of you bless, whew, say uh, two statements. Then we're going to get into this message. And some of you folks that are more spiritual than I am, you'll have to explain to me where I'm wrong after church. You may disagree with what I'm about to say, but if you do, that means one of us is wrong, and both of us have been wrong at different times, so it don't matter. There are some people that believe God can set your spirit on fire without you receiving the Holy Ghost. I don't need that Holy Ghost. Do you believe God can do it somehow or other without us being baptized? Now, I'm not talking about salvation. You know, I, I, that's the blood and we're not going, you know. But there, there are some people who believe, I don't have to have the Holy Ghost. I can just just illuminate the darkness. I can be set afire by the Spirit of God without all this Holy Ghost. And if they leave that, and they teach that, then there are other folks that believe that they can be baptized in the Holy Ghost, but they don't have to surrender their spirit to be set afire by God. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. God cannot set the spirit of this man on fire until the Holy Ghost moves into this man. And then I want to tell you something. The Holy Ghost cannot do his work through me until he inhabits me and until I allow him to set my spirit on fire. Now, I'm going to make this statement, brother. And if I'm wrong, just flag me down and we'll back up and uh, we'll go preach John 3.16 or something like that. But I do believe that I know people that speak in tongues, but they have quenched the spirit to the point that they have never allowed that spirit to illuminate their spirit and even though there is a baptism there that old man is still not letting his light shine before men that they might see the glory of God. In other words, what are you saying preacher? We're trying to be closet Pentecostal. 
Woo! Say amen. We're trying to be closet Pentecostals. I'm full of Holy Ghost. I speak in tongues, but I do it in my closet. Really? Well, why in the world? What good's it doing? That Spirit of God, John said, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Now, the fire he's talking about here is not a fire to warm your hands by. It's not a, oh, say amen. The fire he's talking about here is not a fire to take the chill out of your body. The fire that he's talking about here is a fire that makes a light that dispels darkness and illuminates the world. Now, let's go back to our text in, in, in Proverbs and Psalm. The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. He will light my candle. That's the same fire John's talking about. Now, let's take just a few moments here, and let's talk about and make a few observations about a candle and understand why God wants to set our spirits afire. Listen carefully. First, we get a few observations about candles. Number one, a candle is an instrument used to dispel darkness. The only reason for a candle to exist is to dispel darkness. The only reason for there to be such a thing as a candle is to dispel darkness. That candle is created that it may be set afire and that it might dispel darkness. Number two, that candle is it's absolutely useless until it is set afire. It's one reason for existing is to light the room and illuminate the circumstance, illuminate the surroundings, but it is absolutely useless until it is set afire. If my spirit is the candle of the Lord, it is absolutely useless to God until it is set afire. Kevin, the candle exists. Spirit of man is a candle of the Lord. A candle exists for one reason, and that's to be an instrument of light. That's not hard to understand where we're going, is it? Your spirit, the only reason you're alive, the only reason you're breathing, the only reason God put you here is to brighten the corner where you are. But until that candle is lit, until that candle is set afire, then it is totally useless. You can have 29, 35, or 92 candles in a room, but if none of them have been lit, and none of them have been illuminated, you'd be just as well off without them. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house tonight. I said you have a room full of candles. None of them's burning. None of them's a fire. None of them's lit. You'd be just as well without them. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, you live in this world for one reason, and that's to be an instrument of light in the kingdom of God. Has the Spirit of God lit your candle? Number three, as we look at some observations about candles, the candle, listen carefully, no candle is self-lighting. Every candle has to be lit from an outside source. 
Whoosh, amen, let me somebody. Oh, I know some of you have seen those. We call them trick candles. We got those in the church too. Those trick candles you put on a child's birthday cake, you know, they blow them out and then they reignite. Well, we got a lot of those trick candles in the church. They'll trick you all the time. You don't never, it's so tricky trying to judge whether they're even going to come to church or not. It's so tricky trying to judge if they're going to be up or down, in or out, happy or sad or mad. It doesn't matter. They always keep you guessing. But that candle cannot light itself. It has to be touched and set afire by a an outside source for a candle to give light it has to be touched by light for a candle to be set afire it has to be touched by fire I'm telling you ladies and gentlemen then say, listen we've got a lot of candles in our world tonight we've got candles at our house my wife likes candles she just loves candles she, she, she does this big Christmas party every year for all the ladies and girls in our church man that's a mess I'm telling you my house is so full of women it's unreal I just get with some of the men we go somewhere we, we, we go to eat but we, we do time it where we get back about the time they get into the desserts and we, we, we crash their party and get in on their desserts but you know all of these ladies Lord have mercy when you walk in your house and there's 60, 65, 70 women I'm telling you everywhere you look there's a girl there's a lady and they're having a big time and they get loud you know that they can get loud sometimes. But my job has always been to light the candles to get ready for the party. On that afternoon, she watches that clock. She, she gets me some fire. And when it gets to be a certain time, she says, now go light all the candles. And I go through that house, Brother Andy, and there are candles sitting on the mantel. There's candles on the table. There's candles on the buffet. There's a candle everywhere. You can put a candle and they're just all sitting there. But ladies and gentlemen, my job is to go through that house finding every one of those candles. Oh, some of them like this, some of them fat, some of them skinny, it don't matter. But it's my job to strike fire to every one of them. Say, oh, I'm preaching to somebody tonight. You know why? Because she likes your candles. And, and, and you know, well, we won't get there. But you know the Lord, I don't want to say this wrong. I, I, I don't want to call my mother-in-law sickness a blessing. It's not. Except to me in one facet. A few years ago, my mother-in-law developed asthma and had some real breathing problems. And because of that, she could not tolerate the smell and the smoke of burning candles. So my wife went from real live wax candles to electronic candles. And now all I do is just walk through the house, flip on a little switch. And they said they're not real, but they're flickering real pretty. And if I forget to turn one off, it ain't going to burn the house down. So I guess there's a little bit of a blessing there somewhere. But you know, the point I'm making is my wife has some candles. And back in that day when I was literally lighting real bona fide candles. There were some candles in that house that she forbid me to put fire to. They didn't exist to burn. They weren't put there to give light. 
They were just put there to be pretty and for ornamental purposes. And this past Christmas, I walked in there to the kitchen and there behind the sink in the window, she had antique candles. Antique candles that she had had for years and years that had never been touched by fire. Never been touched by fire. You know why? Because, well, you know, that's not what they're for. They're just for ornamental purposes. I looked at those candles in that window. I said, dear God, you remind me of my church members. Some of them's been there so long to their antique church members. They've been there so long. I wish somebody would help me preach a little here. They've sat on that pew and looked so pretty, but all they've ever been is pew ornamentation. They just come. They just sit there. They just contribute their good looks. Shout with me, somebody. They just contribute their personality, but they have never been struck by the fire. And Brother Andy, I hope you don't have any like that here, but I'm telling you, God didn't put you in this world. God didn't set you in this church. God didn't put you on that job to show off your physique and to decorate where you are. He put you there to be the candle of the Lord that the light burning in you could illuminate the darkness in that place. Ladies and gentlemen, let him set your soul on fire tonight. Let the fire burn. Let the light shine. Now there's a reason for that. There was a, there's a reason that some of those candles, my wife forbade me to light. Don't like that one. You know, don't like that. And there's a reason for that. Because she loves those candles. And she realizes that for a candle to do what it was supposed to do and for a candle to be what it is supposed to be, it has to sacrifice itself to be what God, what, 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 to illuminate that room. Say amen. Because once that fire is put to that candle, you will watch that candle as it begins to decrease, as the light begins to increase. And there are some candles in our house that my wife is not willing to sacrifice to give light to the room. And we all say amen. Do you know we've got folks like that in our churches? Do you know we got folks like that? They are not willing to sacrifice of themselves to be what God wants them to be. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I am. It's all about me. But ladies and gentlemen, there's a truth of a candle. If that candle ever fulfills the purpose for which it was created every day, there will be less of that candle as it gives light for God. You know what's wrong with our world today. The reason we are overcome the darkness is because we've got too many of God's candles that's not willing to be like John the Baptist and say, I must decrease that he must increase. It's altogether different. We want 
God to increase us. Ladies and gentlemen, he will increase you. There will be a crown. There will be a mansion. But I'm calling on somebody tonight to be willing to say less of me and more of you, God. Less of me and more. My God, I'm telling you, it'll fix your home. It'll fix your family. It'll fix your mind when you allow God to illuminate that spirit and it burns away the wax. It burns away the candle. But you got to notice this. It doesn't actually destroy the candle. It just changes the form of it. It just changes the shape of it. It just changes the appearance. Woo! Can I preach a little here? And the Holy Ghost ain't going to destroy nobody. No, no, not at all. Let him set your spirit on fire. He's going to destroy you. Now it'll change you. I said it'll change you. It'll take some things away from you and it'll add some things to you. It'll melt you down because you see what that fire does to that candle? It puts it into a liquid state and then that liquid wax can be molded. It can be made. It can be shaped into any form that that man or woman wants it to be. He said the spirit of a man is a candle of the Lord. I'm going to set Kevin Wood's candle on fire. The Kevin that you see now, it's not going to be the Kevin you see in a few years because that burning fire in that candle is going to turn that man into a liquefied spiritual state and then I, God says then I can take him and make him and mold him what he wants to be. Listen, you sit on that pew and say that's not what I want. I want to be what I want to be. Did you die on a cross to save your soul? Did you leave your heavenly home? Did you go away to prepare yourself a mansion? No. Well, I would recommend to you that you allow the Holy Ghost to come and illuminate your spirit. John the Baptist understood well that to fulfill the mission, to fulfill, listen, listen to me, he's a miracle child. He's born of a miracle. Zacharias praying before that altar. He should have never been here. There should have never been a John. Shout with me somebody. Should have never been a John the Baptist. But God heard the prayer of an old man. An old woman gave them a son. But God, oh, listen, John realized for him to fulfill the purpose of his miraculous birth that he said in, in Matthew, or John chapter 3 and verse 30, he must increase that, that I must decrease. When we look at that and say it another way, if you want more of God, if you want more healing, if you want more joy, if you want more peace, if you want more power, if you want to see more people saved. If you want to see more drug addicts delivered. If you want to see, come on God. Oh God. If you want to see these things then the less there is of me, the more there is of God. And the more there is of the light. He said because 
cross. He has set my spirit of fire. I must decrease that he might increase. He must increase. I must decrease. To say it another way, it is my decreasing that brings the increasing of Jesus Christ into my life. It is your decreasing that brings the increasing of the power of Christ into your life. The saying of the old timers was this, less of me and more of Christ. The saying of the new age, the modernist church is this, more for me and less for Christ. More for me and less for Christ. Amen. You know that I'm telling you a truth there. Ladies and gentlemen, they will decrease Christ that they might increase themselves. They'll decrease Christ that they might increase their wealth. That man preaching on that television has no qualms of compromising our Christ if he can raise enough money to buy another jet. Shout somebody. You didn't hear what I said. I said that man, he has no qualms and no quarrels with decreasing Christ and preaching this book in a compromising way if he can raise enough money to buy a new jet and another resort on a faraway beach somewhere. And you say, well, preacher, that's him, that's not me. How many people sitting in this church today, you are sacrificing, you are sacrificing sacrificing something good. You're sacrificing something wonderful. May I preach just a little here. How many people in this church, you are sacrificing the salvation of your children. You are sacrificing the deliverance of your children from drugs and alcohol. You are sacrificing the, uh, the, the joy and the camaraderie in your family because you are not willing to say less of me and more of Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, if my if if taking me and setting my spirit on fire and melting down Kenny Mars will mean the salvation of my three sons, of my daughter-in-laws, and if it will mean that when I get to heaven, the family circle will not be broken, I'm gonna cry out tonight, oh God, set my spirit on fire, less of me and more of you. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at people that will not be saved. I'm amazed at people that are saved, at least claim to be, that are unwilling to make a total surrender to God. That's what that candle does. Once it's touched by fire, it is totally at the wheel of that fire. No control whatsoever. Just that fire. I am amazed at the people that will not serve God. They will not allow God to work in their life because of all that they have to give up. All, I can't do that. I'll have to give up this, 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 this. That amazes me. What I give up to allow this candle to burn, change me, less of me, has, does not even compare with what I gain by doing it. You talking about giving up, it's what you're giving up by not allowing God to light your candle. 
what you're getting. Oh, God, say amen. Listen, I, oh, God, I, I could cite you example out of example of people that resist God. They resist the Holy Ghost. And then in years to come, they come back and moan and groan because the very thing that they were trying to preserve by not yielding to God, they've lost it. They've lost it and it's gone. I've seen ladies that would not yield to God because they worried about an ungodly husband and afraid they're going to lose him. Let me tell you something, sis. You're going to lose him anyhow. I said you're going to lose him anyhow. If he's that kind of man, you say, preacher, I don't understand that. Let me tell you, that little old lady, a believer, got an unbelieving husband. You're not going to win him by cutting your shirt, uh, your skirt tail shorter. You're not going to win him by taking off more of your clothes. You're not going to keep him, ladies and gentlemen, by coming to his level. The only hope you got to keep in him is let God set your life on fire and let the whole God, let the Holy Ghost of God get into your heart and into your life and let him be convicted of his sins. And then they come back and say, I tried everything. Did you? Did you try the Holy Ghost? Did you try letting God light that candle? Did you try illuminating the darkness of that home? Well, oh, I got to preach. You got to get there. Amen. Brother Andy Stringfellow, my associate pastor, been with me now for 13 years, great man of God. Oh, Andy, preach it down tonight, buddy. We were in the hospital with a patient having surgery, Andy and I. We met up with one of our neighboring pastors, struck up a conversation with that pastor. He told us, he happens to be our sectional presbyter there in the Sims of God. He told us that we talked of churches in our area that are dying, churches that have already dead in a radius in a radius of six miles, six to seven mile radius of where my church is now. Just a few years ago, we had six, count them, one, two, three, four, five, six strong Assembly of God churches. You know what we got now? We've got two that's doing okay. We've got three that's out of business and another one on life support that's going to die if something doesn't happen. Yes, amen. So we're talking to this great man of God, his church, our church, and we're, we're doing good by the grace of God but you know it's amazing to me well, as far as I know we're the only one of those two of those six churches that kept the old red back hymnal that kept singing power in the blood while all the rest of them were singing do did the gum drop we're down there singing power in the blood and the old rugged cross and when we all get to heaven how is somebody that say amen and while the rest of them ladies and gentlemen putting coffee shops in the foyer of the church we're still preaching the word of God. You say, well, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying something's happened because they're dead. One of them's a doctor's office. My God, are you listening to me? Sold out to a doctor's office. I'm not, oh, I don't want to go there. But listen, what are you saying? Listen, that man looked at us. And the, and the fifth one of those six, or the fourth one of those six churches Right now, that was the largest, at one time was the largest, is now down to 10, 15 people, and they're just about to shut the doors. 
That's sad. So my brother, Scott Davis, felt the hand in me. And he said the pastor came to me and said, Scott, I don't know what to do. He said, I've tried everything. I've done it all. And he went in, all he's done. He said, I put a coffee shop in the foyer. I, 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 I changed the lights, you know, where we can make it look like a theater in there. He said, I've brought in music. I've, I've done everything I know to do, and it's dying in spite of everything I can do. My friend Scott Davis said, I looked at him and said, you're wrong, sir. You're wrong. You haven't tried everything. There's one thing you haven't tried. He said, well, I wish you'd tell me what it is. Dear God, I've tried everything I know. He said, you hadn't tried the Holy Ghost. You hadn't tried the Holy Ghost. You hadn't let God set that place on fire. Oh, my. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. My good looks is not so much that I'm going to stand up here and resist. Oh, don't laugh. I'm, I'm, and resist the Holy Ghost. I'll roll in that floor. I'll run up and down that aisle. I'll lay on my belly. Oh, dear God, preacher, you're going to make yourself. I may. It may look silly to you, but if that's what it takes, ladies and gentlemen, my God, I got to get into this message. We're going to be in overtime before I get at the halftime. That's all right. This past Sunday night in that service at home, that choir sung those old songs. Tim, our youngest son, at that piano singing a wonderful gospel song. The power of God fell in that house, Brother Andy. The Spirit of God came. Brother Andy Stringfellas in the pulpit in charge of that service. The glory of God's coming down. I ran by that front pew, grabbed one of my brethren by the hand, and I said, will you run with me? Will you run? Oh, he jumped up and we made a salute. Ladies and gentlemen, I've wound up laying on that floor on my belly. You say, preacher, would you do that? Yes, yes, I'll do that. And you will too when he sets your spirit on fire because that fire will burn away that flesh. It'll burn away that pride. My God, you say, preacher, why? I'll tell you why. Because I want the Holy Ghost to have his way. I got people that need to be saved. We got a little six-year-old that needs a miracle. We've got families that have fallen apart. Somebody's got to illuminate that darkness. Oh my. Isaiah said, for unless a child is born, unless a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. Where does God govern in this world? He governs in the church. He governs in the heart of men. He must increase, but I must decrease. We move quickly. Lord, illuminate my spirit with the fire of God. He said, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill 
cannot be hid. And he said, neither does man, and I'm going to add this, neither does man nor God light a candle to put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, but on a candlestick, ladies and gentlemen, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. The first revival meeting I preached in 1968, you ought to have been there. 18 years old, knew everything in the world. I'm telling you, should have been there. 1968, 18 years old, invited to preach revival. My grandparents' home church. I stayed with my grandparents. And my grandfather, at, I'm not sure, was even born again at that that particular time. Thank God for mercy. That even saves old folks. Amen. But my grandfather and I were sitting on that front porch. One day I'm a kid preacher. Preaching revival. Sitting on the front porch with my grandfather. I got an ain't in that church. I got an ain't in that church. It's in glory now. Her name's Bonnie Ruth. Bonnie. My granddaddy always called her Bonnie Ruth. Her middle name Ruth. Bonnie Ruth. The Lord had set her spirit on fire. The Lord had so anointed my Aunt Bonnie with the Holy Ghost. I'm sitting on the front porch with a grandfather. That's the farthest I know at that time. Had never given a heart to God. And he looked at me and said, Son, I wish I knew that I had what Bonnie Ruth's got. Why? Because the spirit of Bonnie Ruth was a candle of the Lord. And the Lord lit his candle. I do believe that grandfather's in heaven where in those later years gave his heart to God. And I promise you that my Aunt Bonnie is one of the reasons he's there because he saw the fire of God. The light from her candle illuminated his sin-sick heart. Are you listening to me, somebody? You say, well, preacher, I don't know about all of that. Well, I want to tell you, I think, I think it's worth getting full of the Holy Ghost and fire to see your father-in-law saved. Shout with me, somebody. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Oh, God. I got to go. Out of my body. What a woman. I, I got to tell you this. I'll skip part of those notes and we'll close. I, just let me. Hank Bonnie, married to my dad's brother, my Uncle Curtis, pastor for years. My uncle died. I preached his funeral. Ron, his mom, and dad. My Aunt Bonnie got Alzheimer's. Wound up in the nursing home the last few years of her life. Didn't know her kids. Her own son told me, he said, I'll go see mama. She don't know me. But every night she gets down by that bed and prays for her five kids. Come on, say amen. Her sons-in-laws, daughters-in-laws, and all of her grandkids by name. But she don't know them when they walk in the room. Said you can walk in there and say, Mama, let's sing Amazing Grace. And she knows every word. And I'll fly away and she knows every word. Somewhere or another, God set that candle on fire. But they, Ronnie told me, he said, you, you listen. I'm going to tell you what happened in that nursing home. She'd get up in the morning. She was on one end of the hall. That was home. The other end of the hall, Richie, was a nursing home. She'd get up in the morning, get dressed, said, i got to go visit at the nursing home. She had walked down the other end of that hall, go in those rooms, praying with those folks. Spent a while and then said, I got to go home. Go back to the other end of that hall to her house. One day going down that hall, met a nurse in the middle of the hall. Are you listening to me? It's let him set your soul. Let him set his candle. Let him light you with fire. Going down that hall, met a nurse. My Aunt Bonnie Ruth stopped that nurse in the middle of the hall, looked at her and said, honey, she don't know her kids, folks. 
She don't know her children when they walk in the room. Shops a nurse in the middle of the hall and says, honey, you're in trouble. Your life is in a mess. You've messed up. You're in trouble. And stood there in that hall and told that nurse everything that was going on in her life, everything that had happened. Oh, God, the best I can ever told her, you're going to have a baby. Come on, not married. All right. I'm telling you, read her mail. She, she went on down the hall to do her visitation. That nurse, her son told me, the nurses said, that woman walked back to that nurse's station shaking like a leaf and crying and shaking and trembling and the other nurse says what's wrong with you she said you see that woman she don't know her name she doesn't know her children she just told me everything I've done everywhere I've been and what's going on in my life and she looked at those nurses and said I am going to get saved I am going he wants to set your spirit on fire We all see the darkness that's in this world. We all see the trouble. We all see the turmoil. We all see that that is going on in our world. As we look around us today, the darkness, the hate, the animosity, the ill will, the drug addiction, sin, abortion, homosexuality, Everything, everything, the darkness has crept upon this land. If all of the candles in God's house were to be lit, how much of that darkness would be exposed? You say, preacher, it's not up to me. You need to take that up with Jesus because he said you are the light of the world. And darkness is nothing but the absence of light. If you live in darkness, it's because your spirit has not been illuminated by the power of God. Think about it. What would be different in your life? What would be different in your circumstances if there was more light? I heard Minnie Pearl on an interview on radio. I didn't hear in person. Gave an interview about Hank Williams. That country star died 27 years old from alcohol and drug abuse. I heard her give an interview. She said they were doing a concert. They had a morning and an evening concert. They had they'd done their concert that morning and said the promoters of that concert said, here, I'm giving Hank to you, and it's your job to keep him sober till he can sing again tonight. It's your job to keep him sober until he can perform again tonight. She said, we took Hank Williams, put him in a car, rode him all afternoon where he couldn't get to his booze and his pills. 
to listen to me. And she said, as we rode that afternoon in that car, she said, Hank Williams looked at me and said, Minnie, if, we can't, if I can't have a drink and I can't have my pills, then the least we can do is sing. She said, all right, what you want to sing? He said, I want to sing, I saw the light. I saw the light. He said, he began to sing that song that was a hit of his. And said, after a few bars of that song, he stopped. And he said, Minnie, that's the problem. That's the problem, Minnie. That's the problem. She said, what's the problem, Hank? He said, there ain't no light. The problem? The darkness. There's a story in your Bible that illuminates very powerfully the importance of a candle being lit. Let me share it with you. Give me just about five minutes. Musicians, get us a song ready. Luke chapter 15. There's a story of a woman that had lost something very precious to her. Lost something that she didn't want to lose. It was very, very precious. The Bible said either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, I want you to look at it like this. It's in that there was something missing in her home. There was something missing, misplaced in her home. Something missing in her life. Think about it with me for just a moment. Is there anybody here tonight that could, in the, in the secret confines of your own spirit, said, that's me, oh God. There's something missing. There's something that's not there. Like the pastor in Laurel, Mississippi, I've tried everything. But have you? There's something missing. For this woman, it's a coin. For you, it's joy. It's peace. It's contentment. It's happiness. Something's missing. She grieved over what was missing in her home. And I believe this is, might, have been, might have been the way it happened. Maybe one day a neighbor came by and she was so sad and so distraught till the neighbor said, Maybell or whatever her name was, what's wrong with you? She said, one of my coins is missing. I have lost something. And I cannot find it. And then I can imagine that neighbor looking around in that house that was dark and dim and saying to that precious little lady, 
you will never find it in this darkness. You'll never find that coin in this darkness. Else what woman having ten pieces of silver if she lose one of them doth not light a candle and search the house. Maybell, I believe if we had a little light in this place we could find your coin. So that lady struck fire to a candle. She had a candle in that house and she submitted that candle to the fire and as that fire began to flicker on the end of that candle and that wax began to melt away and run down the side of that candle and the darkness began to move out and the darkness began to expel. The Bible said in the light of that candle she swept that house. My God! In the light of that candle she swept that house and there it was ladies and gentlemen it was forever lost unless she had ignited the candle it was forever lost except she submitted that candle to the fire I'm talking to folks tonight it is eternally lost it's eternally gone your hope is eternally gone your peace of mind is eternally gone except you allow your spirit it's a candle of the Lord. The Lord will light my candle. He'll baptize. My God, I'm talking to somebody tonight. The pills are not working. The therapy is not working. The counseling's not working. But if you'll dispel that darkness by allowing God to illuminate that candle, there it is. It'll be fast. Stand with me. Notice carefully, something was missing. Something that she once had was gone. The house was dark. There was a candle in that house, but it was not burning. Look at me. Something was missing. Something that she had once possessed was lost. That house was dark. There was a candle, but it was not burning. I'm sorry, I got over God. I'm talking to some folks tonight. It's not there, it's missing. It's gone. It was once there. You'll never find it in the darkness. But there is a candle present. Preacher, that I don't want that candle lit. I don't want to sacrifice it. Or stay in the darkness and live without it. never be found in that darkness. The piece of silver was lost. It will never be found. Is it worth sacrificing that candle? 
to find that coin. 